Good morning, Providence Church. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Providence Church, and this is different. <laughs> it's different for you. It's different for me. Um, I, just off the top, I've had zero desire in my life to be a television preacher of any kind, and so I find it kind of ironic, but also kind of fun that I get to be in some of your, your living rooms today. So um, thanks, thanks for hanging in with me this morning. I'm so excited to be here with you on this, on this Palm Sunday. Um, I've, I've had this question that's kind of been coming up over and over again to me. It probably has, you've probably heard it as well quite often, maybe in the last few weeks. Like how many times have you heard the question, what day is it over the last couple of weeks, right? Because like today seems a lot like yesterday, which seems a lot like the day before. <laughs> it, you know, in our house, we've been trying to figure out how to have a weekend, like how to figure out what feels like a weekend, because all the days are just kind of a mash of all the other days, and everything feels just different, right? I, actually, really the only thing that's kind of given me any sense of, of uh, just a real measure of orientation is this, like this thing that we're doing right now. Worshiping with you guys every Sunday has been the only like actual real measure of time for me, so I'm so glad that we get to do this, this thing together. This is the week before Easter, you just heard Jacob mention that, and it might have come as a surprise to you when, when Jacob said, we have Easter weekend next weekend, because you hadn't really maybe registered with you yet, because everything is a little bit out of whack, and, and this season has seemed longer than most, at least for me. It seemed like a little bit longer of a season. So here in the church, we've been in this, this season of Lent, and the season of 40 days leading up until Easter, it's called Lent, and we get that word, it comes, comes from a word that means spring which I've always thought was kind of funny because the season actually feels a little bit more like winter. A lot of times in Lent, we give something up. Like people can choose to, to give up something, you know, like chocolate or carbs or, or whatever it is. And, and the idea behind that is that you give this thing up so that when you miss it, you, you remember what's important. You remember that God is the most important thing in your life. And you turn, we turn our hearts to God during the season. So it's always been like an option, you know, to give up something during the season of Lent, except for this Lent. <laughs> it's not been optional, right? We've all given up a lot of things in this season. I've given up sports this Lent. I didn't plan on it, actually just the last couple of weeks <laughs> is when I've given up sports in, in this season of Lent. We've given things up like going anywhere we want to, you know, going to the movie theater, shaking hands with people we've given up, and maybe that's, maybe that's gone for good, maybe, that, maybe that's okay. Really, what a lot of us have given up, I think, is, is actually this, what was really a false sense of security that we had, um, a sense that we were ultimately in control. That's what we've all kind of in common have given up in this particular season of Lent. So it's been a long season of Lent, a long season of giving up. I am ready for Easter. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> Are you ready for Easter as well? It's coming. It's coming. You see, one week before the very first Easter Sunday, Jesus told his disciples to go and get a donkey for him. It seemed kind of like it was out of the blue, but it was actually connected to a, to a prophecy about how this day would one day come. So I wonder if when the disciples heard Jesus say, please go and get a donkey for me, I need to go into Jerusalem on it. When they heard those words, I wondered if they were thinking, oh, now we're getting to the pinnacle of the story, or if they just thought it was another strange request from, from Jesus, but they went and they, they, got the, they got the donkey for Jesus, and as we're about to hear, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the other thing I don't know if the disciples realized in that moment 
is that they were one week away from being in an upper room fearing for their lives, thinking that Jesus was dead for good. But on this, this first Palm Sunday, this day that we call Palm Sunday, um, here's what it says in John chapter 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, uh, so they were gathering for a festival. This was like people from all over the known world would come to Jerusalem for a festival called the Passover. And it was the biggest festival uh, of the year. And it actually, it still, it still goes on. But the reason that they would gather was so they would remember and recall the time when destruction and death passed over God's people. So that's the festival. That's why people were, were gathered. They, so the great crowd had come for the festival. They heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And so they took palm branches and they went out to meet him. I don't know if you know this, but when a king comes to town, everybody goes out to meet the king and ushers the king into town. So that's what they were doing. They were going out to usher the, the king as he, was, as he was coming in. And it says they were shouting, Hosanna, which means save us. Are you connecting with the story yet? It means save us. They were shouting to the king who was coming into town, save us. And then they were shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then they were shouting, blessed is the king of Israel. And they were saying these words to a guy who was riding on a donkey. <laughs> it's a pretty incredible story of our faith. Here's how I like to picture it. Um, oftentimes, you know, the, the kids would be able to come into worship about this time and they'd be waving palm branches while the band's playing a song that always has these, some of these words in it. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. These words are in the song and our kids are waving palm branches. Some of you probably didn't know this, but right, right now, just a moment ago, when we were singing Hosanna, in some of the homes of Providence people, kids were waving palm branches that they made at home this week <laughs> out of paper. Or some of them went outside and they grabbed branches in, in the yard. Kids, if you're at home right now and, and uh, you want to participate in this as well, we're going to invite you to do that. If you made a branch, um, go, go ahead and grab that. If your parents have a, have a ficus tree in the living room or something, they want to take a cutting from that, you know, whatever it is. Well, I don't know what's in your house, but go ahead and grab something that's green, maybe a shirt even or a towel, and, and, uh, and grab that because we're going to actually, uh, our Providence kids have put together a video to remind us of what that would feel like if we could actually all be together singing Hosanna. So watch this. I love it. It's so beautiful, and um, I don't know if you knew this in Jerusalem. The first, there were a lot of southern accents as well, singing Hosanna to Jesus as he, as he rode into town. What a beautiful image, right? And you guys can do that at home, too. We're going to be, we'll be singing again in just a moment, and just want to invite you to, to wave your palm branches, to sing Hosanna. But you know, I said that the word Hosanna means save us, which, which seems kind of like um, maybe a strange thing to be doing while you're in the middle of worship. You know, because the scene was like, it just sounds like they were, they were celebrating. They were all around Jesus, and they were, they were celebrating his arrival. But the words that they were saying were, save us. Save, save us. 
the only reason it would feel like a celebration while you're saying save us is if we believe that Jesus can do it. How do we worship at times like this? Some of us have asked. (laughs) We believe that Jesus can save us, and so we worship. Jesus is being celebrated, I hope you heard it, as the king of Israel. So we've already been singing today about how Jesus is our king. And those words were words of celebration and hope for what he might do as a new kind of king. People were looking for a new kind of king. But I have to wonder if Jesus, when he heard those words and he saw like this worship was going on around him, this great commotion, um, young people and old people alike were, were waving palms and putting their, their coats down in front of him. And I wonder if as he was imagining and knowing some of the things that were going to be happening in the days ahead, if his face wasn't still kind of stoic. You know, there was worship going on. It was a beautiful scene around him. But I wonder if his face wasn't a little bit even kind of stern looking as he looked ahead to Jerusalem. The scriptures tell us that when when Jesus was beginning this journey to Jerusalem, that he set his face towards Jerusalem. Which connects to another place in, in the scripture that's actually saying that he set his face like a stone, like flint, towards, towards Jerusalem. He was, he was steady and solid and determined in what he was heading into, and that's happening while there's a, a worship scene going on all around him. So a, a real quick review here. Why was everyone gathered in Jerusalem on that day? They were there for, uh, for this festival called the Passover, which is an eight-day festival which actually begins on Wednesday night at sundown. So this Wednesday night, April 8th, is the beginning of Passover, and Jewish people will be gathering together to tell the story. They tell the story of God's salvation. They tell the story of God God passing over them and death and destruction passing over them. So this Wednesday night, and I don't know, a lot of it's going to probably be virtual this year, but, but the Jewish people will be getting together to tell this story. They have a particular way of of telling the story, and and it lasts for several days, but they're going to tell the story one way or another, and so will we. Jesus and um, and his disciples, they gathered in this room um, over the course of this festival so that they could partake in that same storytelling, telling each other the story of the Passover. And in the middle of that telling, Jesus revealed to them that the next few days would be extremely rough that there would be pain, that there would be betrayal, that there would be suffering. But Jesus, as he always does, gives these words of comfort as well because there's more to the story. He promised them that peace was coming. He said these words in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, like your peace will be properly sourced. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You might be starting to hear like these different images of kingdom, this kingdom language is coming up over and over again here. Jesus' kingdom has overcome the kingdoms of the world even when it doesn't look like it. And I know sometimes it doesn't look like it. The next day, Jesus found himself in front of this man named Pilate. He was the Roman governor Jesus had been charged by his own people, but his own people couldn't really even come up with the the charge. They just said he's guilty of something. So so Pilate asked Jesus the very question that he had been hearing about, about him. He said, are you the king of the Jews? 
the very same thing that the kids five days earlier had been shouting, that all the people waving palm branches had been saying, the king of the Jews. So I wonder when Pilate's asking this question, is it worship like it was on Palm Sunday, or is it in the accusation? It's a little bit hard to tell in this moment, but it's an accusation that's headed towards the death penalty. So Jesus said in response to that, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. What's the other place? The kingdom of God. Jesus liked to talk about the kingdom of God. He talked about the kingdom of God all the time. It was one of his favorite topics because he was talking about this reality of God that is at once far away and really close. I imagine Pilate looking Jesus up and down and saying, how could this average, normal-looking kind of guy claim to be a king? He might have even been wondering, if you're a king, where's your crown? (laughs) Show me your crown. Well, the crown was on its way. In fact, two crowns were on their way. A crown for Jesus and a crown for us. Here's something that we're about to see. The crowns of this world can elevate you or they can bring you low. You probably know this to be true. What, what, what are the kinds of crowns that, that elevate somebody? Well, you can think of athletes like LeBron James, King James, as he's called. I had to check with my son to make sure that he's still called that. In fact, he said, yes, it's okay, Dad. Call him King James. Or, you know, Elvis from, from years ago was called the king, right? Or beauty contestant winners are given a crown, right? And they're elevated by the crown. On the contrary, who gets brought low by the crown? Well, I don't know how long it's been since you've been in middle school, but a middle, any middle schooler can tell you that there are all kinds of crowns being placed on them, like loser or stupid or worthless or much worse, and it's not just the middle school. Those crowns are the kind of crowns that bring you down. Ultimately, whether they elevate you or bring you down, though, the crowns of this world remain in this world. Why is the coronavirus called the coronavirus? We've been hearing these terms over and over again and using them interchangeably with, with COVID-19 and, and all these things. And you know, the word corona um, actually is a Spanish word for crown, right? The reason they call it cor- the coronavirus is because when you put it underneath a microscope, it looks like a crown. So we've all been kind of wearing that crown <laughs> right now. Like, like it feels like we're wearing the weight of all this stuff that's happening in the world. We're wearing the, the crown of the coronavirus. In moments, it's actually brought us really low. But the crowns of this world remain in this world. So we've been talking these last several weeks around here at, at Providence about what it means to wear ashes on your head. And we actually started this whole season by having a service on Ash Wednesday of putting ashes on our head. Pastor Jacob kind of joked about the advantage that we'd actually have if you wanted to to not have small talk one day when you go into Kroger. You just wear ashes, and everybody would know, well, this is not a good day to talk to that person. I think in the course of these really unusual times, we've been wearing signs of our weariness. Like, we've been doing our best to kind of persevere and, and push through this, but we see it on each other. We see these signs of weariness. Even in the moments when we get to go outside and there's a beautiful day like, like today here in, in Tennessee, I, I've noticed that we, 
we approach one another on the path. I go out on the, the running path here around, and I, and I see you guys, and, and when we approach each other, we want to, like we want to do the normal thing, but instead we know that we can't do the normal thing, and so we get on either side of the path, and it's like we're walking a tightrope to make sure that we can keep the six-foot distance from each other. What that really is, I think, is, is we are wearing a, a kind of a crown of ashes in these uncertain times. So back when Jesus was being questioned by Pilate, Jesus knew that there was more than one kind of crown that might have been on Pilate's mind. So he said to Pilate, you say that I am the king. And so it lets him choose what kind of crown to put on him. And so the crown that Pilate's soldiers chose to put on Jesus cut through his brow and made him bleed. It was the kind of crown that brings you low. In John 19, it says, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. They put on his head a crown of thorns and said, Hail, King of the Jews. That's the third time. <laughs> the third time in our story we've heard Jesus called the King of the Jews. And it seems like it's changed every time we've heard it. Now, if you happen to have tuned out since the beginning of this message, you might think I was still talking about Palm Sunday, King of the Jews. But the palm branches turned into thorn bushes and wrapped into a circle and were pushed on the head of Jesus. Now, crowns can signify a lot of things. The crown of thorns on Jesus' head signifies suffering and pain and mockery and shame. But we don't do away with the crown altogether just because the story hasn't gone so well. And here's why. We've been in this passage from Isaiah 61 uh, quite a bit in the last several weeks, and it gives us the promise of why God's Messiah, Jesus, has come. He has come, it says, to bestow on them, on us, a crown of beauty instead of ashes. That's why Jesus didn't give up the crown of thorns. Because we are the ones who've been walking around with ashes on our heads. And in the events of this next week before Easter, Jesus transforms the crown of thorns into a crown of beauty. A crown of beauty that is for us. We've, we've caught glimpses every once in a while. Sometimes we'll, we'll have, uh, we have a lot of baptisms here at Providence Church. And, and sometimes you, can kind of, you almost see it. Like somebody's going down into the water with ashes. And then they come out, up out of the water with glory. You can see, it's like a visible thing that you can see, and we can't even fully explain it, but it's beautiful. And I wish that when that happened, it was the only thing we would see in each other. It was the only thing that, that the world would see in us, is that, that glory that has been given to us. But as Jesus said, in this world, we will have trouble. We still have to deal with ashes and thorns and tornadoes and viruses. As Jesus walked into this week of suffering, his week of ashes and thorns, he carried our own suffering with him. He carried our brokenness and our sinfulness all the way to the cross of this week. So maybe our next few days will require us to have a face like Flint on a lot of fronts, 
on, our, on, on the front that we're, we're walking towards Easter. We may have to have a face like Flint in the face of the coronavirus. We, we set our faces towards the rescue that is to come. That's what we're doing. We are resolute in our hope of our salvation. Hosanna, save us, God. In order for us to go through this next week, we're going to have to remain focused on the cross. And so, uh, spoiler alert, I don't, I don't want to steal any of Pastor Jacob's thunder for next week, but um, next week, there's going to be an empty tomb. <laughs> there's going to be an empty cross and an empty tomb. It's guaranteed because it's already happened. But this week, as we walk together, we follow the cross all the way to our Holy Thursday service on Thursday night, all the way to the tomb on Friday, all the way to the empty tomb on Sunday all the way to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all the way to our own resurrection in him and a crown of beauty that he bestows on us. We have heard it all morning, Jesus is king, and we've heard it sound a lot of different ways, right? And a king likes to throw a feast. A king likes to put out all the very best stuff for all the people. In some ways, it's almost like a I, I want to show off, but I want to give you everything that I have. Maybe you ordinarily have an Easter feast, and, and maybe it's going to look a little different this year. You might not be able to find all the things that you want to have for your feast. You may not be able to have all the people around the table that you want to have around the table. Maybe it's going to look different. And we may not be in the same room next week when we gather for Easter Sunday, but we are going to have a feast together. Some, I'm going to invite you to over the course of this next week, find some kind of bread or some kind of cracker, some kind of juice or drink. I've seen a lot of people baking a lot of bread. Um, everybody's posting it on Facebook. I know it's happening, so maybe that's it. Maybe this week you make your own bread as we come to a feast of communion next week. We invite you to bring that with you when you gather with us for the live stream next, next week for, for Easter. Until then, over this next week, I want you to be acutely aware of the crowns that we are wearing this week. They're not going to all be the beautiful ones. Some of them are really heavy. Some of them look like a virus. And as we, as we walk through this week with these different crowns that we're wearing, uh, let's just feel the heaviness of them. Notice the ashes you and those around you might be wearing this week. Look to the crown of thorns worn by Jesus. See all of it, because next weekend, we are going to see transformation. Our true king will be at the head of the table, and he will exchange a crown of beauty for our ashes. Let's pray. God, we love you for being a God of transformation and new life. Help us not to hide from from the difficult things of this week, but instead to look for you. Look to Jesus walking through the things that he walked through for us. Let this be a holy week for us that allows us to celebrate new life and resurrection next weekend. God, we are among the crowd today shouting, Hosanna, save us, God. Save us, God. Come and be our King, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.